Uh, so I am joined by Carrie. Hello. Hello. And Damon. Hi. And Simon. Howdy. My name is Jeff, and I wanted to talk about video games today on the Library Podcast, which is called A Little Too Quiet Ferndale Library Podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. And gosh, Carrie, when did we start circulating video games? I believe we started during the curbside days. 2020? So, yeah. So we were not open when we first started circulating them. Um, so people basically had to search our catalog. They weren't able to browse the collection. But that has changed, thankfully. I come from the 90s where I had to get my video games from Blockbuster. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> so what I wanted to start with primarily is what we all think some misconceptions around video games may or may not may or may not be i think that i'll even start and, and say that it's usually seen as something you're supposed to give up after you're a teenager but i'll let you all take the floor i definitely agree with that jeff that's something we hear a lot yeah. but like if you're an adult you're not supposed to be playing video games you're supposed to be doing something quote unquote more productive mm -hmm. with your time which I think is complete nonsense. I mean, people do all sorts of things to relax, to enjoy themselves. And in the case of many games, I mean, you also form friendships with people and you're not necessarily playing alone, whether it be online through somebody or in person on the same couch. I definitely think that there's also this sort of like bro culture around video games <laughs> that is kind yeah. of a misnomer because the type of games I play, I mean, a lot of the games I play have explicitly queer or trans storylines that is very the opposite of what you think of when you think of a typical video gamer, and I adore that about them. I was going to broach the bro situation, <laughs> or the misconception that it might all just be single-person POV shooters and Call of Duty situations, so... Yeah, I, I don't play a single shooter, so... <laughs> what do you think, Simon? I also don't play a lot of shooters. I was just thinking briefly about how like every new form of art and entertainment goes through that phase where everybody's like, this is really immature and it's not gonna be because people used to think that about movies back in the day and like way back in the day, people thought that about books. But then you get, I remember the first time I realized like video games were also powerful narrative forms was um, somebody realized that like uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker was actually, if you wrote out all the dialogue, it would be like a 500 page novel. And I was mm. like, yeah, that tracks. That was also one of my favorite video games as a kid. That's so, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point to go back to books or movies being perceived as something that is frivolous yeah. would po possibly be the word. Yeah. And I play um, a lot of text heavy like JRPGs. So yeah, there's a lot of reading involved and not just like, oh, I'm just mashing buttons. So yeah, you're basically reading a book every time you play one, right. if not several books. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the types of games that the three of you particularly like to play. More so about those. Are they RPGs? Are they are they sandbox games? Or maybe if anyone could enlighten what some of the terminology is, things like that. So I'm a big RPG person. I just mentioned JRPGs. That meant that just stands for Japanese RPGs. So mostly I play those puzzle games, SRPGs, which are strategy RPGs like Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy Tactics. I really love turn-based games because you can just sit and relax and think about it and take your time. Turn-based? Yes. Tell me more about that. Turn-based combat. If you're in a battle, each character takes their turn one by one. You're not being rushed usually. Some of them do have a time limit to put in your commands, but I prefer the ones that don't. Probably the most famous one is Pokemon. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Final Fantasy VII. Or... 
I also play a lot of JRPGs, turn-based. Mm-hmm. That's what I grew up on. That's what I. That's like my bread and butter of video games. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've been playing a lot of roguelike games. Which so a rogue game is a game where you're trying to get as far as you can, but if you die, it's over, and you've got to start from the beginning every time. Mm. Rogue Lite, L-I-T-E, is this genre that is more and more popular these days where it's like that you try to make it as far as you can you die you start over but there's some things that carry over between times so you unlock abilities that make it easier the next time around and help you get a little further you unlock um different story elements as you go on so that's that's really been like my favorite right now hades was a fantastic video game where you are trying to break out of hell essentially with the help of the Olympian gods, and it is beautiful, queer, fun, wonderful game. I also play quite a bit of platformers, and so that is where you're think of typical like Mario. You're running, you're jumping, sometimes you're shooting like in Mega Man, um, and you're just trying to make it through the different levels. That that's mostly what I stick to. What about you, Simon? I, uh, <laughs> pretty much everything Nintendo, like if you could call Nintendo a genre. Um, <laughs> Does that include so, the Switch? Does that include? Yeah, I, I, my first video game system was a Game Boy when I was in elementary school, and it's just kind of been Nintendo all the way since then. But outside of Nintendo, I guess you could say the thing I play the most is quirky. Uh, <laughs> so like the Yakuza series or mm-hmm. like games like cluster truck where it's essentially a platformer but you're like jumping from one truck to another truck sometimes there's ghosts that try and steal you from your truck you know i just want to point out that both me and carrie wrote that down yeah game you need to check out. no cluster truck is very fun um uh, like i sometimes get a little too frustrated with platformers but and puzzle games if i'm being honest mm. but again it's the nintendo ones for some reason i'm pretty okay with I also I have played a lot of JRPGs in my time. My favorite was uh, The World Ends With You, though. Oh, I, okay. Excellent. Yeah. But again, that also falls into the genre of either Nintendo or quirky, even though Square Enix put it out. But um, That yeah. begs the question of systems or or what have you. What, what do you two usually play? I play a little bit of everything. The only things I don't really use, I don't have an Xbox, but I have um, my PS5. I've got my Switch. I've got my computer. I'm primarily a Switch person right now. Because I love playing games on my porch. I hate being tied to like a PC or like my couch. So I like being able to play wherever I want. I do have a PS3, PS4, Steam. But yeah, Switch uh, portable systems are my favorite. So I used to have a 3DS, you know, Game Boy, all those. I like that you're playing the video game, but you're out mm-hmm. somewhat in, in nature. Yes. What have you? I'm totally the opposite. I just want to be on a couch and <laughs> <laughs> curl up with my cat. And yeah, in the winter, I'll be on the couch. <laughs> have either of you tried the online multiplayer headphones talking to people in other states and countries? Back in like 07 to 09, 2010, maybe I used to play World of Warcraft. My ex got me into it. So that was fun playing with him and his family and friends in person, but also being on Ventrilo. So uh, we did make some friends, actually. Some of them I think I still have on Facebook. (laughs) That's cool. Back in the day, I played a bit of Ragnarok Online, which was another MMORPG, Mm -hmm. standing for Massive massively multiplayer online rpg where it's just a whole bunch of people all playing together sure um i did it mostly on my own but you still interact with people in the world because you can type to them and stuff yeah. um, my cousin would occasionally join me on missions and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i uh i don't really i still don't really like talking while playing video mm. games especially with strangers <laughs> 
because I have a I have a hard time making my voice sound masculine enough to not get slurs thrown at me. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Which is a class yeah a classic problem to have. But back in the day, the ones like when Assassin's Creed first started having online multiplayer, I was insanely good at that, and that did not involve talking to other people. Nice. Or like the way Nintendo does their online stuff is sometimes really frustrating. But I have a really fun time playing Splatoon, mm-hmm. which is like almost a shooter, but not quite because it's basically just paintball. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's just different gamers. Like I, yeah. my my brother is a gamer, but I almost think that he almost entirely exclusively does it for the social aspect because that is all he does. What about our formative gaming days? Uh, you talked about being a Nintendo person your entire game. Do you remember we talked about platform games? Mm-hmm. I can go back to Mega Man and Mario and etc. Kirby's Dreamland. Can we talk about our formative <laughs> Love Kirby Dreamland. Our formative yeah. games in our youth? Yeah. What really got us on the path to becoming gamers? Yep, my uh, well, my first two video games were Pokemon Blue and Super Mario Brothers. So you know, JRPG, turn-based, though obviously aimed at kids, and then Super Mario. So of course, <laughs> yep. I am the youngest of four, and so I grew up watching my older siblings play a lot of video games before I joined them. And so I grew up with a lot of Final Fantasy in the house, especially Final Fantasy 4 and 6, which in the U.S. on the Super Nintendo were known as Final Fantasy 2 and 3, which is its own thing we won't get into. But I also grew up on Pokemon Blue, like all the time in my gay boy and trading with my cousin and all that. One of my all-time favorite games as a kid when I was maybe in third or fourth grade was Super Mario RPG, which is Mario meets like that JRPG turn-based style with a lot of humor. It is hilarious. We need a sequel. It is so good. (laughs) Um, But that was like, if I had to define my childhood by a single game, I think I would put that as it. I like how we all had Pokemon Blue, by the way. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, blue, not red. Yeah, My first system was the NES. My grandma actually got it for me, of all people. So I had Super Mario and Duck Hunt, which eventually led to the Super Nintendo. So I played most of those Mario games. Um, The reason I got into JRPGs is because I had a babysitter named Nick who he played Earthbound and Super Mario RPG on the Super Nintendo and I would watch him. And I was just like, those are really quirky and cool and funny. And I just had to play them myself. So I went to Blockbuster every Friday and usually rented those. And I eventually owned them. Um, But yeah, that's what got me into RPGs. Yeah, super. I have to admit that the the Mario RPG is what got me into RPGs, even though Final Fantasy franchise was developing before Mm -hmm. and thriving after. It took Mario to be my gateway to getting into RPGs. But specifically the the game that was just Mario RPG, even though Mm -hmm. Mario 64 feels like it isn't. I don't know if so, it's not. No. Oh god. Mario 64 is it it's a, uh, some other kind of beast. Yeah, it's cuz it's not quite a platformer. Right. It was their first time doing 3D stuff, but you also don't have like a level up system. So right. I guess it would be like a light again LITE RPG if right. you were going to. Right. Say it yeah. was anything. But yeah. Mario also had the Superstar Saga games, which are RPGs as well that are their oh. own series. Not Superstar, what are they called? The Mario and Luigi games, sorry. Um, I think the first one was called Superstar Saga, but they were taking that combat style again. Mm. Yeah, wasn't that like Game Boy Advance and 3DS? Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about another aspect of this? Because someone used the word 
relaxing. That's an element into this, right? So this is a, I mean, this is a time where we decompress as well. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, <laughs> this is recreation. Can we just talk about some of the things, not even the game specifically that we like to play, but even just maybe the emotional or intellectual responses that are triggered by these games. What do we really purely enjoy most about them, about the engagement of it? I like being sucked into a good story. Yeah. So that's typically um, RPGs and strategy RPGs. Those will have more text, a lot of reading, a lot of cutscenes. Um, so it's kind of like watching a movie sometimes, and then you get to interact with it. I like having something to do with my hands. So I would much rather play a video game than watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I totally agree with that. I when I'm really trying to relax, I go back to games that have that nostalgia factor for me. That maybe were not hard for me. I've beaten them, you know, more than 10 times, but it's still relaxing to go back to those characters that I love, the story that I love. It just feels good. But then I also have the complete opposite side where I play games like roguelites that are really annoyingly difficult that make you want to throw the controller at the screen. And I find that relaxing for some reason. (laughs) So yeah. It's, I mean, it's still like a problem that is surmountable when it's in a video game, you know? So it's like, yeah, I accomplished something today. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think what what I've gotten out of video games in terms of like relaxation or enjoyment has like changed over the years yeah. um, quite a bit, actually. But like I, the other day I booted up my PS3 um, to, we were testing some Blu-rays that we got into the library. Keep uh, an yes. eye out for those. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I booted up my PS3 and I was like, oh wow, it's been forever since I played Saints Row 2 and there it sits. So I booted it up and went, oh wow, I like made myself, but like eight-ish years before I transitioned. <laughs> Even the same, uh, the same knife tattoo in the same spot. And I was just like, oh, wild, wild. <laughs> <Wow>. Okay. <laughs> and it, yeah. And it was like, I hadn't actually played that game since it came out, you know? So that wow. was that was weird to see. <laughs> um, but like lately I've been uh, going back to finish the DLC for the, the PS4 Spider-Man game. And it was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I sometimes just like doing sweet tricks and looking cool and <laughs> pretending I'm Spider-Man, you know. <laughs> DLC for the folks at home. Sorry, downloadable content, which is stuff that comes out after the game is released that most of the time you have to pay extra for. It is essentially like extra levels or it could be anything from like a fun costume for your character to uh, in the case of the Spider-Man game, it's like a solid 10, 15 hours of bonus stuff to do. Right. Yeah. Which is a whole other aspect just to go back to the 90s kid gamer where it wouldn't be Mega Man 7, Mega Man 8. You could just be adding on to Mega Man 2. Right. If you wanted to. No need to buy a new cartridge. There aren't even cartridges anymore. (laughs) Well, (laughs) technically, yeah. That's right. Those do taste awful, by the way. I don't know if you ever Um, saw the the rumor that like Nintendo made those Switch cartridges taste awful because they're small enough to swallow. Oh. Uh, One of my friends, I was doing a Twitch stream and one of my friends did dare me to lick one (laughs) and they do taste as bad as the internet says they do. I was not Do not recommend. (laughs) I love how you're just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. (laughs) You know, yeah. A nostalgia factor, uh, and then returning to games made me made me conjure up another possibly misconception that people have. Um, or maybe we can maybe work with the definition of the word. But uh, I'll just go anecdotally and 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 say that something my parents would always say to me when I was playing video games is like they would they would put this negative tone on it, like you this is this is escapism. You're escaping reality, or you're 
running from your responsibilities or what have you. What, what, what do you guys think when we hear that word escapism? You know, should it be negative or positive? <laughs> I mean, like, who isn't looking to escape? Like, sure. if you're not doing those video games, you're binging a TV show, you mm. are deep inside this epic fantasy book series. Right. You are, like, everybody has their own version of escape, mm. and I don't think we need to look at that as a negative thing. Yeah. Good point. Uh, again, that that is like the old school complaint about books when books started being mm-hmm. more wildly available is that like, oh, people are just going to escape into books and not actually go to work and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Isn't that the dream, though? I mean, uh, I mean yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, if we're being realistic. Yeah, but. <laughs> or wasn't wasn't the other thing that like, oh, books uh, will probably make us too emotional. We'll be uh, overcome with our emotions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darn. Have more emotion. Right. So terrible. Indeed. Be in touch with yourself. Right. What? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can't read romance novels. We'll be fainting. <laughs> Too oh, much. The horror. The horror. Um, so, when I was a kid, I always made sure my homework was done before I played my video games. There so you go. My mom never had a problem with it. I never had my time limited. I never had them taken away. So you know, as long as you get your other stuff done first, like why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, that's that's why I wanted to have this conversation because I always perceived that video games had to be something that had to be justified. You know what I mean? In that. Yeah. In that regard. Can we talk, We I feel like we rattle off a little bit, but can we talk about more about the games we're really enjoying right now or the ones we're obsessed with right now? Damon, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just shaking my hand excitedly because I know I'll talk too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will try to limit it, or maybe we should like each do a couple and then do a second round through or something. That sounds because great. Otherwise, I'll just go on and on. <laughs> um, so my all-time favorite video game series is the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, I have played every single one of them, most versions of every single one of them, and I have like unlocked all the everything in every single one because I'm ridiculous like that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, if you're not familiar with, uh, first one came out in... 2001 or two mm-hmm. and it was this bizarre concept where you took some disney characters paired them with some final fantasy characters and paired them all with some original content and so they're um you have to, the main character is not from either disney or final fantasy but he meets up with many of those characters visit some of their worlds and that has been something that's been consistently in all the different games so you go in help out the disney characters in their world while there's an underlying story unfolding behind the scenes. And I just think it's so cool because for me, um, this is the series that I know best that each game plays off of each other. It is all one big story. Like every single one, even the ones that are considered quote unquote side games are so important to the story of Kingdom Hearts, which I've never really seen in a video game series before. Like Final Fantasy is another one that I really, really love. But each Final Fantasy, with a couple exceptions, is a distinct individual game that has nothing to do with the other games other than maybe shared names of spells or summons or items. Um, Where Kingdom Hearts is, no, all the characters are connected, all the stories are connected. It feels almost like a cool book series as you're doing it. That's awesome. And I just, I love the storytelling in it. It it sounds childish because you're like, oh, Disney, okay, whatever. I mean, okay, I'm a Disney fan person very much so but uh it is very deep and it gets very convoluted and it's it's just wonderful so that's kingdom hearts for me that's that's my first one amazing Mm -hmm. you can pull in so anyone really yeah and i'm actually wearing my kingdom hearts necklace today i was just gonna ask if that's Mm -hmm. what that was from yep (laughs) 
Excellent. Don't 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 be ashamed of Disney. There's there's about to be a Disney episode on this podcast. Spoiler alert coming up. So <laughs> didn't you do like a Disney villain episode recently? Too? We did a villains episode. It got Disney heavy because how couldn't it? Right. I mean, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So I guess my favorite series right now. Um, I'm really in the Fire Emblem. So I'm currently playing Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. It's the latest game in the series. It's a direct sequel to Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a strategy RPG, uh, very story heavy. There's like three different routes, technically four. So yeah, this is a direct sequel to that, but it's like a Musou game, which is like a hack and slash kind of game instead of a strategy RPG. So at first I was kind of like, I don't think I'm going to be into this because there's already a Fire Emblem Warriors game, which I did not like at all. Uh, this one, I played the demo. I was impressed. I am obsessed with it right now. So, what was the type of hack and slash? What I was think the? I don't Muso? know if I'm pronouncing it right. Muso. Okay. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm not actually sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know that the yeah. Because I was going to use that phrase sloppily earlier. Isn't there a type called a hack and slash? Yeah, yeah so I, I know there's like a Zelda one right now. Sure. Um, like Dynasty Warriors, that type of gameplay. So. Yeah, there's a lot of games that are like. Dynasty Warriors plus another game. Right. Yeah. Where you're just taking on endless hench people and mm -hmm. ha hacking them up. Yep. Um, but this actually has a really good story, and there's like, again, like three or four different routes. So there's a lot to do. Nice. So. What are you playing, Simon? Uh, well, um, I finished recently the Pokemon Legends Arceus, which mm. is like. Uh, a Pokemon game, but it's set in the 1800s. Um, <laughs> but you're a modern teenager who literally gets sent back in time by the god of all Pokemon, Arceus, and he gives you a magic phone. And it's, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It's a big departure for the Pokemon series because it's um, just big focus on exploration and collecting resources. Um, you don't actually finish out your Pokedex until you catch multiples of a Pokemon. It, it was really fun, honestly. I, I hope they do more games like that in the future. And like I mentioned earlier, I've been replaying a little bit of Spider-Man. But um, over the pandemic, I restarted the, um, the Yakuza series, <laughs> which is an insanely long. There's like 14 or 15 games in that series. I've, they've been coming out since I was in high school. For a hot minute, everybody kind of dismissed it as like the Japanese Grand Theft Auto, which not entirely the it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's there's there's a lot to it. Uh, I don't even know where to begin because I can sit here and say anything and you'll have no idea if I'm being honest or not. But I promise you all these things are in the game. <laughs> Like you've got Yakuza Zero, which is set in the eighties with like disco mini games and you can go play in Sega arcades. And then there's also like a really deep plot that's essentially straight out of a gangster movie. But then you can take a break and then go try and beat Michael Jackson at a disco <laughs> dancing competition. Except Amazing. his name is Miracle Johnson, air quotes. Um, <laughs> uh, and then like in Yakuza 3, there's a bit where you get a side job as a luchador. And like in Yakuza 6, you're a tourism mascot with a bowl of ramen on your head. Like it's, it, it is goofy, it is fun, it's... Yeah, and but speaking of like the long stories with lots of interconnected characters and just again, it's been coming out since I was in high school. So as they grew up, you know, yeah, that sounds so entertaining. Yeah, and surreal. Yes. Have you played Yakuza Like a Dragon? I have not. That was the one okay. that I had started replaying all of them to get yeah. to. But that's the it went from 
the game went from essentially, you've obviously got all the little mini games and stuff, but it is at its core almost like a almost like an arcade beat em up where you're walking around town and all of a sudden some dudes see you and they point and then you just start <laughs> oh, fighting. Double dragon. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then it switched with Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is technically Yakuza 7, but again, there's like 14 games in the series. <laughs> but uh, it switched to um, an RPG because it got a new lead character and he's obsessed with Dragon Quest. So it plays almost exactly like a Dragon Quest game, Ooh. which is, yeah, I it's highly fun. recommend it. Yes. So. <laughs> that Excellent. definitely sounds up my alley. Yeah, the yeah. humor in it's great too. Yeah. yeah. Um, next one on my list, I finished recently, it is the game Celeste. Mm-hmm. And that is a uh, platformer where you follow this girl. She's actually a trans girl and as she's climbing a mountain and it becomes like kind of a metaphor for her anxiety and overcoming it. And it has one of the most beautiful stories that I've seen in a very long time. And you don't think of stories associated with platformers because it's usually just like get to the other side of the level, finish the level, get to the flag at the end, whatever. But this managed to have stories scattered throughout that is done so well. The music is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, a good soundtrack will get me into a game very, very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had so much replayability because once you beat the level, you want to go back and try to do it faster and try to do it with dying fewer times. And one of the things I like best about it too is when you die, it's like instant restart. And so you just start at the beginning of the screen you're on. You're working from screen to screen. And it's just masterfully done. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love that name, Celeste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Celestial. It's an ethereal name. <laughs> I was going to say, I tried Celeste, but it was so difficult for me. The controls, uh, my hands got sweaty, and then I couldn't play anymore. <laughs> so I got to try that again. I was going to ask about that aspect of what if games are too hard, and, <laughs> and how do we respond? So Celeste does have a, um, you can turn, I forget what it's called in the game, but there's a, I think it's like player assist mode on it, mm. where you don't run out of energy when you're climbing, where you can double jump as many times as you want. So for somebody that wants to experience it more for the story, that is a good way to play it. And no shame. And that's another thing too. That's actually, I kind of wanted to bring that up as mm-hmm. conceptions about video games because people will like, oh, like if you're playing this really hard game, you have to play it the way that it's intended. And I right. do not agree with that whatsoever. Same. You should play video games what how you want to play them. If you enjoy playing them on EV mode, if you enjoy playing your RPG on the story progression mode where enemies die in one hit, that's great. That is wonderful. You're doing it for the story? Cool. More power to you. Right. This is you time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and don't listen to the bros on the internet to say otherwise. Right. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so I guess another series I really enjoy is the Persona series. Mm-hmm. Um, so Persona 5 Royal is like the most recent one. Highly recommended. Uh, we have it at the library. But yeah, Persona 3 is actually my favorite. Cool. So if you go back to the PlayStation 2 era, I think I just played that game in like the perfect time of my life. I was like 21 years old. And even though I wasn't in high school anymore, like the game follows high school students, but it just resonated with me a lot. They are bringing all the Persona 3 through 5 to the Switch and to other platforms in a few months. So that's one way to experience it. It's just the annoying part is the Persona 3 portable remake, which originally came out on the PSP. That's the version that they're porting, and that version doesn't have all the cutscenes. You can't explore normally in that version, so that is not the version I would recommend. But unfortunately, that's the most accessible version. That's that reminds me of, and again, a very similar game. The world ends with you because mm-hmm. the Switch port for that yeah. is not great. Oh, I it's tried terrible! It. I couldn't yeah. play it. Yeah, 
but trying to find a DS copy of that game now is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to use, because Warland with you, like you're using it with your uh, stylus, right? Oh, yeah. It, and in the had... Switch one, you're like pointing the Joy-Con, yeah, like Wiimote. It's, it's just, good. it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, it, it had a really, it was the only game I ever played with this control scheme, but like you would control the character in the top screen with the D-pad or the face buttons, depending if you were lefty or a righty. And then you would control the other character with the stylus on the second screen. And it just, they could they could not figure out how to translate that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you need three hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> it really should have come out for Wii U, which I know Wii yeah. U failed, but Wii U had it where you could have one thing on your main screen and one thing on your handheld screen. I mean, you know, the Wii U, the Wii U walked so the Switch could run, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I lost track of our rotation, Simon. I think you might have been next yep. if you have any other games to share. Oh, no. Okay. No well. pressure. <laughs> I'm going to bring up one that is very hard to find now, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but this actually brings up a fun point about how how do we archive video games that were born digital or born digital in a specific system? How do... Uh, like, do you, Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy could be a whole other podcast just on itself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, I had an Xbox 360 in college, and I dug it out recently uh, just to play Ilo Milo again, which is um, a couch co-op. So you can't play it online with somebody else, but you can play it with somebody else if they're essentially sitting next to you on the couch. And it's this adorable little puzzle game. Ilo and Milo want to meet in the park for lunch, and someone keeps rearranging the park, so they have to keep trying to find their way to each other. And you can like switch who's doing what at any given time. The person who's not currently controlling a character has a little cursor that they can move around and like make little noise chimes like, no, no, it's right here. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's a really cute, low key, low stress game with an absolutely gorgeous soundtrack. Even if you don't play it, you can still find the soundtrack pretty easily. So yeah. Another, yet another aspect we didn't touch on is just how amazing the music in, is mm-hmm. in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Simon, have you played Ibn Ab? It's a indie platformer two-player co-op game. I have not, but... <laughs> it is wonderful. You can find it on the PlayStation Store for... I think PS4 was the first one that had it. But, okay, sweet. Um, there might be a Switch port of it. I'm not actually sure. But yeah. you play as these two little blobs that are trying to make it through the level, and one of you is running on the top of the level, and one of you is running underneath, so you're, like, upside down. Oh, interesting. And, like, you've got to go in and out, and sometimes you have to, like, launch off of each other to get through obstacles. It is really great. Yeah. Nice. That's great. Damon. Oh, back to me. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned Hades already, so I won't go more into that, but great I'll game, just though. say again <laughs> that that is a wonderful game. Um, another game I really enjoyed recently was Hollow Knight, which came out, I think, in 2015. It's been out for a while now, um, maybe a little bit later than that. But it is, you are basically this little non-binary bug that is fighting trying to help people around him and there's like this you know i didn't really get into the lore so much when i was playing which i do often with games but it just had really good combat um really beautiful visuals where they use beautiful music as well and you could like upgrade your sword you could get new abilities as you went through it had very much a um a metroid feel to it back for the nes where you're exploring and trying to find upgrades to get to new places on unlock new stuff that's awesome I have a side question, unless anybody else has any more games to share. But I wanted to throw this out into the mix. And that is, Carrie, you've processed a lot of our video games. Mm -hmm. Damon, Simon, I don't know if you've even peeked at the shelves over at the video games, but off the top of your heads, are there things over there that we currently own that you are like, yes, I'm so glad we owned that one? 
Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> um, one of them is Untitled Goose Game, yeah. which is falls into the quirky genre of uh, you are essentially just a goose and you are wrecking havoc on the English countryside. Um, it's incredible. There's a dedicated button to just honk at people. Um, <laughs> but uh, awesome. on the other hand, there's also uh, we have one of the Yakuza spin-off games, uh, Judgment and Lost Judgment. They You don't have to play the rest of the 14 games to play them. Um, and they are essentially like mystery games uh, where you're like the head of a detective agency and you're trying to solve a murder, but it still does that same quirky, odd, I think in those games you have like a, a dance club that you help manage. So it briefly turns into a rhythm game. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was I was stoked that we had those. <laughs> I'm glad because I kind of waffled over whether or not I would buy Judgment because RPGs don't circulate well here. Yeah. Which is well, it's, surprising it, to me. Like, I know, like, you're probably not going to beat an RPG in two weeks, but I go into it with the spirit of, like, try before you buy. Sure. So. Sure. I, I will say it's, it's, uh, it's set up more like the old school Yakuza games okay. rather than the, like, a dragon. So it's not, it's more of a, like, street beat em up mm-hmm. double dragon type thing than a full-on RPG. I love these elements of opening up a dance club or competing with Miracle Williams or what have you. It's yeah. not that you're only entering the game to complete a task. You're entering there to also exist for two hours or however long you're gonna, you yeah. have other things to do. I Not to keep going back on this, but geez, the, the Yakuza games, Judgment, etc. Um, you could literally drop me into the Kabuki Cho neighborhood in Detroit, or not Detroit, good lord, Tokyo. <laughs> um, I've never been to Japan. I've never been to that neighborhood. I could find you a decent beef bowl in the karaoke place because <laughs> it is like a one-for-one recreation of that neighborhood. Wow. Which it's, it's yeah. <laughs> nice. Did you have some of the games you want to get to, Damon? I yeah. do. I was just double checking to make sure we actually did have it. I thought I saw it on ourself. Um, so we have the, because I love Kingdom Hearts so much, we've got mm-hmm. the Kingdom Hearts The Story So Far collection, which mm-hmm. essentially is every Kingdom Hearts game that came out prior to Kingdom Hearts 3, which, yes, I know that sentence sounds ridiculous because <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 3, you think, oh, Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. No, it contains Kingdom Hearts 1, it contains Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, contains Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, Kingdom Hearts 2, Kingdom Hearts uh, Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts... Anyway, you get the, you get the yeah. point. There are... Ultra Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Oh, <laughs> um, no, I think my favorite is Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage. There's even some like stylized characters in there as well to make it even better. Like, that is a single title. Um, so anyways, this collection contains everything. Some of the games had been turned into cutscene videos rather than the actual game, which is not my favorite way to play them, but they have updated the graphics to be more modern, so that helps. Um, if you're new to the Kingdom Hearts series, that is a good way to just kind of dive in because it's got everything you need to get going. So, yeah. So my favorite game that I purchased recently, and I haven't actually played it yet, but it's called Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. (laughs) And I bought that game for the title alone. So hopefully people enjoy it. Uh, It just seems like one of those games that, like a friend of mine played it online who said it was like three or four hours long. So it's like not something I would buy for myself because it wouldn't be worth the money. But I figured for a library, like most people can check it out and enjoy it, and then someone else can enjoy it. Do you think it would be similar to the Goose game? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, on, on that note, I will say I love it when games are short now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, if this game isn't at least 60 hours worth of gameplay, then I'm not getting my money's worth. But sometimes I also just really appreciate, like, a couple hours done. Okay, I can move on. My backlog is ridiculous. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel your pain. Carrie, do we have the game Monster Prom? We don't. Is that on the Switch? Because I know it's digital. It is on the Switch. It's also on PS4. Okay. Come to think of it, maybe there's not a disc version of it or a cartridge okay. version of it. I... I'm not actually sure, but um, just that game is ridiculous. It is a dating sim game yeah. where you are monsters going to high school together. And like at the very beginning, you choose who you're going to be. You choose your name. You choose your pronouns. You choose everything. And then there's six different dateable monsters or attempts to dateable monsters. And so you have scenes with them and you make decisions that will ultimately decide if they end up falling for you or not. And yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. It is It is a joy. I have it on Steam, but I have not played it yet. Highly recommend it. You okay. can also do multiplayer with other people, okay. and they can mess with you. Like they'll meet up with the character you're going after, and they can badmouth you. Oh, it's, that's it's funny. Great. <laughs> yep. So you brought up dating sims. Uh, I've played a yep. few of those. Um, there's this game called Boyfriend Dungeon. I haven't played mm. that one, but that title alone makes me want to eventually. I don't know if anyone's played that. Yep. The uh... The, the characters you can quote unquote date also serve as your weapons when you're okay. in the dungeon. So <laughs> the closer you get to like somebody, the more powerful that weapon gets when you're in the dungeon section. <laughs> I've heard really good things about Dream Daddy oh, as well. Dream Daddy Same. is very good. I played that one. Yeah, if you're into romance novels, dating sim games or visual novel games are fantastic ways to play. It's yes. great. But you can also get into the fun, quirky section of it. Again, you brought up Dating Sims. The first thing I looked up was, oh, crap, what was the name of this one? Hatoful Boyfriend. Oh, yeah, the pigeon one. Yeah, the pigeon one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, I don't want to spoil what happens in that game. It is, uh, you can buy it for several video game systems. And also, I believe it is free on most mobile game stores. So, like... Google Play, iOS, yada, yada. It was five bucks tops, I think. It might be free now. But um, you are the single human student in a private school for birds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just love the bizarreness of so many indie games. Like It just brings me so much joy. Same. Like, <laughs> games like I Am Bread, where you're literally a piece of bread and your goal in the game is to get toasted. Yes. <laughs> and the controls are horrendous. <laughs> um, but it is hilarious because of that. Or uh, what's the Octodad or whatever it's called. Yeah, where you're a dad that is actually secretly an octopus and you're trying to hide it. It's, oh boy. <laughs> I think right. that yet another whole yet another aspect is the indie game situation. It's, it's just amazing stuff. Uh, and what I especially like about this episode is that this episode is doing similarly what our previous board games episode did and just enlightening anyone to exactly how far we've come. We've come a long way since Centipede for yes. example, <laughs> to where we are now, you know, geese who are honking at people. Yes. Uh, and but it also defies expectations because if you find out oh the library is circulating board games or the library is circulating video games mm-hmm. i bet it's old tired stuff like sorry and monopoly but no we've got some amazing board games over there and yes we have some amazing video games over there yeah definitely uh, and this has been a productive podcast episode because carrie's been taking notes so i think we've actually been <laughs> hey. <laughs> my backlog's about to get even more ridiculous we've been oh, generating yeah. ideas to add to the library <laughs> What about um, this as we close up is just uh, we we talked about just if you want to be on the easy setting, be on the easy setting, things like that. If there are people who 
perhaps were gamers as teenagers, but listened to those angry voices that told them to put down childish things, etc. Um, and they want to get back into gaming. Um, do you have any words of uh, encouragement or and or wisdom uh, for them? I would say a lot of games are becoming more and more accessible these days. Most games, like, I don't know if you guys watch the Angry Video Game Nerd. He has a game, like, about him that they made, and it's supposed to be frustrating. It's supposed to be difficult. But even that game has, like, a super easy setting to make it accessible. And I think that's great. That's so, cool. yeah. uh, But there's also, like, super hard maddening mode so that you can scream at your TV the way that the Angry Video Game Nerd does. So you can play it any way you want to. <laughs> Um, and I think most games are like adapting to that now. I think a lot of games have really powerful online communities too. That can be both a positive and a negative, of mm -hmm. course. <laughs> um, but there's, you definitely can find your niche and find your people. I mentioned that a lot of the games I play have queer storylines. That's something that's really important to me and finding communities online. I'm a part of a couple different Reddit groups that um, are really just all about that. And it's just so different than the the sort of thing you see in like movies and TV about what video gaming is. Well, you know, I would say as somebody who is always, aside from the Nintendo things, uh, one generation behind, <laughs> um, it's especially if you haven't played games in a while, I am sure your favorite series has a new thing coming out sure. or something mm -hmm. that came out in the last five years. Like even, uh, even the new crash bandicoot game, right? It like went, it's like ignoring all the other Crash Bandicoot sequels and it's like this is Crash Bandicoot 4 and it's almost directly like modern controls, modern save structure type things. So you're not just like being stuck restarting the level constantly, but it's it is classic Crash Bandicoot and it was delightful to start playing that or like Pokemon right. still happening. The new the new Super Mario games. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you liked as a kid, it's still there. Yeah. It is still waiting for you. <laughs> and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is coming out in November, I believe. Yeah. And that one's supposed to be open world, kind of similar to Arceus. Like, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. And even though there's the angry video game Nerd. trope yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the, the screaming at the screen situation. Yeah. Uh, I think what I've really taken away from all this is that I started this podcast by using the word decompress. I think that these are stress relievers, mm -hmm. even though they are challenging and or possibly puzzles and or there are tasks and or that's what we're really doing here right mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> not that it's exactly self-care but it is relieving stress mm -hmm. yeah well i mean especially just like reading can just like yeah. you know yeah. exactly well and like you know when animal crossing came out i was in just gonna mention and that animal was crossing. everybody's yeah <laughs> that was the lockdown game <laughs> yeah that was everybody's lockdown game yep. oh so perfect timing on that yeah yeah <laughs> That's where you could almost exactly live in a virtual world and mm -hmm. see people and talk to each other mm -hmm. through your avatars. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would call my mom and be like, Dom gave me the cutest little present this week. And she'd be like, who is Dom? <laughs> and I'd be like, my gay little sheep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was sad. Uh, Animal Crossing came out a couple weeks before my birthday. So my birthday was during the lockdown. I couldn't see anyone except for my boyfriend that I live with. So um, in Animal Crossing, I actually got to see friends and get gifts party. and party. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. My wildest dreams. I saw online somebody who did like a virtual wedding on Amazon, or not on Amazon, on Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, and it was super cute because like everybody got dressed up in their characters, oh, and like oh, it's beautiful. That's so touching. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so video games are part of our special collections. We will link to that in the show notes. I can't thank you all enough for being here. Thank you, Simon, Damon, and Carrie. Uh, also, Simon, uh, welcome to the library. You're, this oh, is your yeah. first podcast episode. We forgot to say welcome to the library. Uh-huh. We like Third to say here. Yes. <laughs> My um, first podcast as well. That's right. I was going to get to Carrie. <laughs> Carrie's been at the library for a while, though, which is why she's just in charge of creating all these awesome video game lists. And hopefully she's going to add the turnip. Oh, I, I, we already have that. Yeah. Great, I just haven't played it yet. The turnip who is tax uh, evading. <laughs> turnip boy commits t- uh, tax evasion. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of A Little Too Quiet. It's the Ferndale Library podcast, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. The music you hear at the beginning and end of each episode is by a local musician. His name is John Duffy. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, you could go to ferndalefriends.org. But please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And we will be back next week with more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>